Welcome to Off The Grid Radio. Better ideas to bust you and your family out of today's global control grid. Now, here's today's show. Hi, welcome to another edition of Off The Grid Radio. I'm Michael Faust of OffTheGridNews.com. Today's guest is Joanne Olszewski. She is the owner of Worm Woman Incorporated, which manufactures and sells the worm away worm bin. She also is the co-author of the book, Worms Eat My Garbage which, of course, is in its third edition, and it's published by Story. And she was friends with the original author, Mary um, Applehoff, who passed away in 2005. Joanne, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start off just with a basic question, because, Joanne, we have people who are listening now. They don't even know what we're talking about. What is a worm composting system? Well, it's basically a system of composting in a small space using a particular type of worm. Okay. And that, of course, can be used for all sorts of things. We have lots of gardeners in our audience, Joanne, and they might have heard about the system but have never really uh, had the, you know, had the desire to, to try it or maybe just never had the time to do it. So what are the benefits for gardeners then? What, what, how, how can it benefit the gardener? Well, for one thing... Um, it produces a product unlike uh, well, with regular composting, everything heats up, and that in itself is a good thing, and that would kill pathogens and kill seeds. But with vermicomposting, it doesn't heat up, and instead, you get this microbial activity in your compost, and that has a lot of benefits. And one of the things about that is they're just beginning to really analyze why and how these microbes work in the, or in, in the soil. Or yeah. A lot of people have been right. researching that. I'm just starting to research that myself, natural soil science. So it actually will help your plants grow better. And you'll, you'll have possibly healthier plants. You'll spend less on fertilizer. Uh, some even say that the, food will, the, the, the vegetables will taste better when you, when you use uh, you know, vermicompost. Yeah, there's a, definitely. There's a lot of research going on out there about how um, there's this interaction in the soil with microbes and plants, and that if your plants are strong, and this might help them be stronger, um, you won't get as many insects, you won't get as many diseases. I personally do not use any kind of inorganic fertilizers and haven't for 50 years. Right, same here. And, and, and my plants do really well. And like this last year, I had enough cabbages to make Five gallons of sauerkraut. That's wow. a lot of cabbage. <laughs> that is a lot of cabbage. That is a lot of, that is a lot of cabbage. Well, any gardener who knows the who knows gardening knows how, how important worms are to the garden, uh, Joanne. Um, as the book says, as the book uh, that we're talking about, "Worms Eat My Garbage," it says it says that earthworms in nature play an important role in recycling organic nutrients from dead tissues back into mm-hmm. living organisms. They do this with little fanfare. Rarely does anyone see them perform. Their task, and so what we're talking about, I guess, I'm just trying to describe what what this what a worm bin looks like. It's basically just a, a, a box, and it looks like a yes. it looks like a box with dirt and worms is what it looks like. But what what is in there? Well, actually, what it is is first of all, you need some sort of a container for them. And the thing I like about vermicomposting is that, I mean, you can go out and buy bins, and they'll be made out of plastic or they'll be made out of wood. But you can also make something into a worm bin. For instance, right now, I found an old drawer, and it's all wood, and I will clean it up and make it into a worm bin. 
haven't even seen, and I don't know how this actually works. I saw something on social media of a guy who was using a bathtub. Wow. And I'm curious as to how that's working for drainage, et cetera. Yeah. But other people use barrels or, or old. I, I like to do and use anything that I might keep from going into the landfill. And so, what, so you have to have it. I'm you sorry. Go, go ahead, Joanne. So you, you have to have this bin. And then I'll go right ahead and tell you what else you need. Every worm bin needs bedding. And would you like to t- me to tell you? Yeah, what go ahead. Let's talk. Let's talk about the bedding. Yes. Okay, so they need bedding. I am. Um, I use newspaper. I've been using newspaper ever since I got my first worm bin from Mary. Uh, and that I at that time when I got my first one, I had to shred it by hand, and so that's the disadvantage because you get ink on your hands. But now. Just about everybody can afford or get hold of or know someone who has a paper shredder. Now, of course, if you don't have electricity or you're using solar, you're not going to want to probably do that. But right. basically, newspaper is an excellent bedding. Another bedding that is recommended is core, which is a byproduct of a waste product, basically, of the coconut industry. Of course, it's not totally benign because you are moving it across the world. You can also use manure. That is a, for the type of worms we use, that is a natural habitat. The thing is, if you do use manure, be sure you use, like, from horse manure, which is what, you know, these worms used to be pretty prolific when we had more horses than cars. You definitely don't want to use uh, horse manure if it's just been dewormed. I mean, that's kind of the operative word, dewormed. You're going to kill your worms. And you can use something like rabbit manure, but don't use any kind of manure that comes from a pet, like a, a dog or a cat. There's certain issues of pathogens that can happen with that. You don't want mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, also you can use leaf mold. Now, oh, I want to say one thing about manure. If you do use manure, be sure you know how to identify your worm, because you might pick some up, and also let it heat up. You know, horse manure is going to start heating up really fast, and you don't want to put that into the worm bin until it's cooled. Okay. And you can use leaf mold, but you might get some other critters with that. So just know you might get some other little bugs. You will get some other critters in the bin, but that's, you don't want to pick up something that might bite you. And some people use wood chips. I have never done that, but that's, that's your bedding. On top of that bedding, you would, you know, after you make sure you have the right environment for your worms, you know, you, they, you have to have a bin that has holes in it so you have air. You have to have a certain amount of moisture because worms breathe through their skin and you don't want them drying out. And you have to have the right temperature. And that always brings us into why vermicomposting is so great because you can just put this bin in your house where it's warm. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to worry about it being outside. Then you would throw a little bit of food in. Or not, I'm sorry, not food, a little bit of soil and to give them some grit and maybe some microbes. Okay. They have gizzards, and so they, they have to kind of turn this thing up. Once you get your worms, you put them in there, you let them kind of settle in maybe a day or two, and then you can feed them. And that's pretty much a worm bin with some sort of a cover uh, because the worms are interesting. They don't have any eyes, but they're terribly sensitive to light. And that's an important thing to know about them. Absolutely. So yeah. 
Let me ask you a couple of follow-ups there, Joanne, because you've raised a lot of questions. Um, some people are going to want to know, can they just use potting soil or just plain old dirt for, for bedding? What what Can you do that? Or no? no. Okay. No, you're not doing that. No, okay. because what you want is to get vermicompost. Okay. And vermicompost, these worms, and this is kind of a little joke, even though the book says worms eat my garbage, they're not eating your garbage. They're eating the bacteria and the microbes that are eating your garbage. They're eating that. And while they're doing it, they're taking that bedding in, and then it goes through their body, and when it comes out, another word for worm poop is vermicast. Uh-huh. And so that, that's, no, you just can't throw dirt in there. And, and, and the other reason is these, there's basically three ecological categories for worms. There's your composters, which live on the top of the soil, and they eat whatever's there. The, the fallen leaves, etc. Then you have soil-dwelling earthworms. They are they do not eat the leaves and stuff. They they're eating dirt. They're taking those minerals and eating that. And then way low down in doing vertical burrows are your deep dwellers. The earth, you know, the the, the big ones you see after a rain. Sure. They can go down six feet, sure. and they pull. They will pull a leaf in let it rot, and then they'll go up to the surface to put their castings. The only one that's good in a worm bin is a composter. So then they, they don't live in dirt. They live in in the comp, in that compost, basically. We'll talk about the details and, and what actually what type of worms in just a second here, Joanne. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll continue our discussion uh, with Joanne, and she's co-author of the, the book, uh, which is in its third edition, Worms, Eat My Garbage. It's published by Story. We'll be right back. If you've ever wanted to grow the absolute best tasting fruits and vegetables imaginable, here's some exciting news. There's a new product designed to make growing delicious produce easy. It's called ProtoGrow, and it's dynamite in the garden. ProtoGrow is a bioactive superfood for plants that works by providing true, broad-spectrum nutrition, allowing plants to achieve their full genetic expression. What does this mean in the garden? It means mouth-watering fruits and vegetables, brilliantly colored flowers, herbs that finally grow to medicinal strength, blue ribbon garden produce jam-packed with bioavailable minerals and trace elements, giant pumpkins, even high-potency, high-bricks wheatgrass. ProtoGrow is a proprietary blend of full-spectrum nutrients from the sea. It literally contains the basic building blocks of life itself. In fact, ProtoGrow is so effective at producing rapid plant growth in record time that it almost forces plants to grow even under the worst light and soil conditions. It's also perfect for growing your own survival foods and might just be the ultimate hard times barter item. To grow tastier fruits and vegetables right now, go to growlikecrazy.com. That's growlikecrazy.com or call 877-327-0365. 877-327-0365. Off the Grid News, because you want a different paradigm. Joanne, let's continue our conversation about uh, worms and vermicomposting. Let's talk about how you got interested in, in worms. How, how did how did you get interested in this subject? Well, I first got interested in vermicomposting when I met Mary. It was in 1982, and she would just written this book. And Mary was an incredibly enthusiastic person. And the first thing she did is she gave most of her friends a worm bin and worms and set us up to do that. I put mine in the little greenhouse that I had. Um, I also lived in Michigan at the time, and I put it under a, a, a bed or a, a bench, and I went to work, and I shredded a 
financial newspaper and put it in there. And I, I have to admit, I forgot about it. <laughs> I fed them and then I forgot about it. Yeah. And Mary, you know, she was like diligent about coming up. So she lives in Kalamazoo. I lived in Grand Rapids. She'd come up and visit and say, oh, I've got to see your worm bin. And she actually was in the car one time on her way out. And she stopped and she said, I forgot to look at your worm bin. And she looked. And because I'd been watering my plants, it, they had stayed moist. And it was one of the most prolific worm bins she'd ever seen. She was so impressed. And that really got me going on it. I um, continued to vermicompost ever since. Hmm. Why, why do you do it? What's, what's your main drive? My main drive, uh, uh, there's so many. One, it, I like to have a really healthy garden, and it, this is good for my garden. But also, I have always been an environmentalist. I used hmm. to teach environmental science. And I was also an accountant for a while. And I would always tell my clients, look at your resources. And waste is, food waste especially, is an incredible resource. But it's a lot of times in this country, we call waste anything we throw away. Yeah. And so we throw it away. I think that's actually not a good thing for yeah. me. Yeah. Because one, I can go through why. Uh, I mean, if you throw this food into a trash can, it's going to go into a landfill. It's going to stink. It's going to cause methane. It's going to possibly reach through and pick up pathogens. It's, it's not a good thing to do yeah. when you could instead use it for your soil. Now, I will say this. In our country, close to 30 to 50% of food gets wasted. And a lot of that gets wasted before it even gets to the supermarket. I would always be a proponent of if you have food that's edible, that it goes to people because we have a large portion of people that are hungry. But if you're going to not, if it can't go to people then or to animals to feed, then I would definitely compost it. And that's actually what they're doing in France now. If it makes it to the supermarket, and I'm not going to talk about waste um, of the food that doesn't even get there, but if food gets to the supermarket, it is not allowed to to go into a landfill. It has to be composted or go to go to someone to eat. Hmm. And I think that's just a really good thing. I, I, I think I agree. Well, we have several other top, uh, several other um, uh, uh, intricacies of vermicomposting we, we need to talk about so that we can explain okay. it a little bit better to people. Um, what What is the right type of worm? I, I know there's several type of uh, worms that people can use. It, what, what's, what, what, what do you prefer and you know what should people not use? Well, I highly recommend, first of all, that unless, if you buy your worms, be sure that you buy them from someone who knows the scientific name. Because if they don't know the scientific name and they're calling it a red wiggler or a branded worm or a tiger worm, we could be talking about two different worms. So, it, first of all, if you're going to find your worms, like under a manure pile, be sure you can identify them. And at this point, even though over the years various worms have been recommended, I would only recommend Asthenia fetida. And the, the old spelling of that was fotida. And either spelling I, I have seen used by very knowledgeable people. So it's Asthenia fetida, which is also a very close relative to Asthenia andrea. Okay. The problem with that one is you can, you almost have to use, um, you can't hardly tell them apart unless you do DNA barcoding. And 
even then sometimes you get, you know, false results. The biggest thing, those are composting worms. They're going to stay, first of all, they're going to stay in your bin. And they're not going to get out. They're not really going to live in your garden. So when you harvest, if you happen to have some worms that go into the garden, they're probably just going to turn into nitrogen and die. What I don't, what I highly recommend people do not buy is this invasive worm, which is called a jumper. Some people call it a crazy worm because it moves really fast, way faster than a regular uh, earthworm. Mm -hmm. It's like a snake worm, an Alabama jumper. It's actually um, Amesis is its genus, and they're really researching this. And this is, this is a worm that's actually been prohibited from coming into the state of Wisconsin, and there's issues with it in northern climates. So don't use that worm. It will just eat everything and move so fast. And you will end up not with good soil. You will end up with like coffee grounds, dirt. And so the one you the one, the one you recommend is called Astenia fotida, I believe. Fotida, fotida, yes. Okay. Astenia fotida. Okay. Do you know how to spell the first part of that uh, for those sure. who are listening? It's a capital E I S E N I A. Okay. And then the species is F E T I D A. F E T I D A. All right. And sometimes it'll be spelled F O E T I D A. Okay, that's help. That's helpful. That's the old. So, yeah, that's the old spelling. How many worms are we talking about that someone needs to get started? Is it is it judged by the number of worms or is it judged by the pounds? I would go by the pounds. I mean, you you um, you don't want to sit and count those worms. Now, my brother, <laughs> he he set up a worm bin and he told me he he named them all. And I said seriously. <laughs> he goes sure. I called them one, two, three. <laughs> no, there's too many worms. And you're going to get a mix. You don't, you know, you're not going to get all adults. You're going to get some juveniles. You're going to get some cocoons. They call that bed run. You, you want that. So you, you go by the weight. A pound and usually start you. And what do you feed them? You know, we, we're, we're, we're saying uh, that worms eat, eat, eat our garbage and that we're talking about um, – Essentially, food waste. When we talk about that and other things, what right. do, what do you what do you feed them? What types can they? I eat? feed them a lot of um, fruits and vegetables. They love those things. Okay. Um, you can Mary when she first did this book, she did an experiment at the Kalamazoo Nature Center, and they they put in cream cheese and deviled eggs and all sorts of things. I usually don't do that, mm -hmm. but uh, but it's, think about it this way: if you put a banana on the counter and an onion. You know which one's going to start bringing fruit flies in first and yeah. rotting yeah. and smelling. That's going to be the banana. They're going to go for that first. I've actually heard people say worms don't like onions. They'll eat onions. They'll like anybody else. They'll eat what they've got, but they prefer the things that are just rotting on them. And meat. Meat is a no-no? Well, um, that's a, a good question because... A lot of people will say don't use meat, and the reason they're saying not to use meat is if you don't bury it enough, you could get some other critter in there that you might not want, like a rodent or something like that, depending on where your bin is. But Mary herself used to, um, well, she was such a scientist, she was always experimenting. She would put chicken bones in the bottom of a, a pretty deep worm bin that she might have outside that was like two feet deep or so, mm -hmm. and she'd let the worms clean that, her chicken bones, and then she'd take them out and put them in a bag and let them dry. And then she'd hit them with a hammer to get her bone meal. So you can technically use meat, 
but you have to be careful with that. Let's talk. Um, ba- let's talk basics with gardening, uh, because uh, okay. I- I'm just picturing someone listening to us and looking at the pictures of these uh, worm bins, and some folks might think that's not a lot of dirt. Um, and so, how much you know? How much vermicompost can you produce for a garden? And I- I maybe is the answer as much as you need? Yeah, and the thing is, this is a funny thing about vermicompost. More is not necessarily better. They've done extensive experiments on that. There's like a, you put a little bit on and the plant will do better. You put a little bit more on, it'll maybe get to a peak. And then say you double that and boom, it starts to hurt the plant. And there's been some theories that that might be because it might have some salts in it. They're not certain. Uh, And people are constantly researching this. But last year, I, okay, a year ago, I built a uh, patio worm bin. And I did it out of cedar pickets just to see if it would work. And I did a whole thing about which kind of cedar you use and all of that too. And it, it measures about two feet by four feet by two feet high. And I, I fed the worms on one half of it throughout the year. And then I uh, started feeding on the other half. And then I brought all of that in and I got, I'd say about four, four gallons of vermicompost. And after I harvested, well, actually it was vermicast. I let it go a little too far. Mm-hmm. And and actually that's not a bad thing. You just kind of hurt your worms when you do that. So I have all this vermicast and I separated the worms from it. And I'm waiting to put that in my plants when I start gardening again. So how, what, what do you mix it with the dirt? That, that's what that's yes, what I'm asking. Okay. Definitely. Or you can you can uh, put it on top or you can actually Combine it with some other substances like core and maybe some perlite and stuff and make mm-hmm. these little, um, what are those, seed blockers. You can make your own little seed starters, which I'm going to try and do this next year because, again, I hate that I'm buying plants in plastic and creating yeah. more um, more plastic pollution. And so yeah, soil blockers sure. are a nice little idea. So you, you treat it kind of like fertilizer? You know, too much fertilizer is yeah. a bad thing, but for a little bit of fertilizer. Right. And when I Definitely. say fertilizer, I'm talking about just picture, you know, fish, fish emulsion, something like that that's organic and that we right. would all agree is okay. Um, right. Some people might want to know, how do you separate the worms from the compost? Uh, now, that is a good question. I was at this conference, and I was looking at all these incredible systems these people had set up that cost Tons of money. And then there was a gentleman there that had a very simple system, and someone said, how do you separate the worms? And he said, we trick them. Remember earlier I said they're light sensitive? Yeah. Well, what I have done is I take a rather large tray, I'd say it's about three feet by two feet, and on either end I put the vermicast or vermicompost there. Down the middle I put something that's going to start to rot, like a banana or an an apple. And then I cover that with my shredded, moist newspaper, put something dark over it, like a piece of burlap, or once again, a plastic, you know, dark bag, or a piece of cardboard or carpet or whatever. Put it on the table, turn on lights, and they just move to the food. They just move in, and you can just kind of brush away and collect. And it takes maybe about three, four days, but they will go because they're hungry. 
And there, of course, are other ways as well, which uh, which are explained uh, in the book. Uh, Worms eat my garbage. Let's let's begin wrapping up here. You mentioned uh, vermicast earlier. What is the difference between vermicast and vermicompost? Okay, vermicast is actually worm poop. Okay. And so, depending on when you harvest, if you do it early on, you'll have vermicompost, and so you'll have some castings in there. You'll have little bits of food left, and you'll have little bits of bedding left. But if you just let them keep going and you don't feed them anymore or don't give them any more bedding, they will just eat their castings over and over, and that's all you'll have. Mm. And, of course, they won't be fed very well, so they'll start to get smaller and they'll start to die. And what you'll have left is, is something that's not as rich as it, it would have been if you would gotten it earlier. Well, I'm not quite sure on that. Really? Okay. I've met these. I've, I've met um, – there's a possibility. I don't know. I've been meeting these people from all over the world that are just studying this intensely to see actually what is happening. So I think I think there is a an optimal time. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, this is something that can be done during the winter as we record this. Uh, you know, I'm sure some people are listening to this during the spring, summer, and fall, but this is something that can be done during the winter as well. Uh, right, Joanne? I am so this doing is, it. Yeah. I, am, I'm, I am doing it right now. Yeah. I have uh, a small worm bin in my office, and I'm feeding it. I'm having to attend to it a little more because it's near a wood stove and the bedding tends to dry out and I don't want to dry out my worms. Now, where I'm located in the U.S., I was able to use my patio worm bin last year over the winter because we had a very mild winter. I just put straw bales around it Hmm. and covered it and they survived. This year, we went down to four degrees. I think it'd be surprising if they did well in that. So that's the beautiful thing about vermicompost, and you can do it inside, and it doesn't smell. If it smells, you're doing something wrong. Gotcha. So that, that, yeah, that's that's, that's you know, the honest, yeah, that's one thing that people are going to want to think about, uh, not think about, but the people are probably asking uh, as we talk is how what is this going to smell like? And you're saying it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh no, yeah. it doesn't smell. No, yeah. no. And and there actually was a a school of architecture. It's still there, I'm sure, at um, Ohio State where they were making furniture for vermicomposting. But I don't think they're doing it anymore. It was beautiful. Hmm. Just you know, people making a... I've, I have one friend who has a drawer with a cutting board over it, and she just lifts up the cutting board and drops it in. Now, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah. Let's wind this yes. down, Joanne. Uh, how can people learn okay. more? How can people learn more, learn, learn more about you? Is there a website or...? Well, I definitely have a website, uh, Warm Woman... Com. And I will okay. be, yeah, and I will be uh, posting more to that. I'm also trying to connect and am connecting with other people that are doing this. I've been meeting at these various conferences. I will be at the Northwest Flower and Garden Show the, in February, speaking on this very subject on um, Saturday night and Sunday morning. And I'll also be at two Mother Earth News conferences: one in Asheville in April, and one in Topeka in October. And then I'm sure I'll be speaking some other places also. Awesome. I'm really, I'm, I have to just tell you this one thing. I used to say to Mary, you know, Mary, I'll ask you a question about worms in a dissertation later. I'll give an answer. And I do the same thing now. I just love talking about these creatures. They're fascinating. <laughs> so. they, are, they, are, they definitely are. And so the website is worm 
www.womanwoman.com. That's where people can get more information about, about yes. Joanne. Our guest has been Joanne um, Shevsky. I always mispronounce your name. Shevsky, yes. Thank you, Joanne. Um, it's been too long since I pronounced it earlier in the show. That's why I forgot it. Our, our guest well, is, thank you so much for having me. We, we enjoyed it. Let me close the show, and I'll talk to you in just a moment, okay? As a reminder okay. to our audience, our website is offthegridnews.com. Uh, you can visit our how-to section where you can learn everything from how to boost efficiency in your wood stove to how to grow vegetables during the winter. With Engineer Gavin Wright, this has been Michael Faust. Please join us again next week for another edition of Off the Grid Radio.